So, hey, we are three weeks into a study of fallen heroes. If you're joining us today, we're looking at heroes in the Scripture. Not what they did right, but what they did wrong, all right? Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at Saul, and we saw how selfishness, and we all come into this world selfish. Selfishness, when it goes unchecked, will absolutely unravel your life and really almost... uh, drive you insane and that's what you see in Saul last week we looked at Elijah and we saw how an unrealistic and unnecessary fear can totally dismantle God's will in your life Um, this week oh we get to look at brother Jonah Jonah you know about Jonah Jonah and the whale Jonah Jonah he's an interesting character because he starts out fallen all right he becomes heroic and then he ends up falling again so I want us to look at his life and story. And so if you've got your scriptures, turn to the, the prophetic book of Jonah. And we find this, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up here before me. Nineveh was the oldest, most ancient, and it was the largest city in the Assyrian Empire. Now, from where Jonah lived, um, it was at least 550 miles to travel to Nineveh. So this call of God to go to Nineveh, I mean, this is, this is significant. This is going to involve some, uh, some movement here. Um, Jonah, here's this call of God. And in verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it. To go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah decides he is not interested in obeying God. So he goes a different direction. Now, you know, we we see Jonah running from God. But do you know why he decides he doesn't want to go to Nineveh? I mean, his, his reasons for rebelling from God's will are really not unreasonable. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. The Assyrians, they were descendants of the Akkadians. And these were people who were constantly developing the art of war. The, the, the Assyrians are the ones who developed the chariot. Right? They were ruthless warriors and they would overpower everyone. And every spring when the, when the rivers would rise, all right, they would go out and they would conquer. And they were methodical about it and they were patient. They would conquer an area. They would decimate the people. They would scatter the people. They would set up an outpost and then return home and wait for the next spring. All right? They were brutal. They, they, they were patient and they were efficient in the expansion of their empire. And probably the biggest reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh was because these people were known for a grotesque cruelty. We've got archaeological and historical records of the cruelty of the Assyrians. I mean, they would skin a conquered people and then like a deer, you, you know, you'd have the, the or a bear, you got your bear skin run. They would skin people and then drape their skins on the walls of their cities, all right? Just grotesque. We got records of, of, of one of their kings, all right? He conquered another king, put, um, put a, pierced the guy's jaw, all right? And chained him up in a kennel like a dog. And had him lived out the rest of his days like that. I mean, these were, these were brutal, nasty people, all right? We often get down on Jonah for trying to run from God. But his reasons for not wanting to go to Nineveh, they're quite reasonable. And that happens to us too. A lot of times you, we know what God wants. 
And, and we're like, I'm not going to do it. And then because it's reasonable, you'll find people come alongside you and be like, yeah, yeah, that seems smart. That's, that seems right. It seems better that you ought to do life that way rather than God's way. And like Jonah, we run from God. And you think about it. Jonah, it wasn't like he, he spent his life rebelling from God. He was already one of God's prophets. I could see Jonah, um, you know, as he serves God in the northern kingdom, he would say, God, why send me to Nineveh? Those people are evil and cruel. Aren't there enough problems here? Um, isn't it enough that I serve you here? I mean, those people don't deserve a chance. Those people don't deserve a prophet. They deserve judgment. And so Jonah, he hitches a ride on a boat headed to Tarshish. He's going the opposite way. Now I want to show you a map. All right, kind of show you where Joppa was, where he hitches a ride on the boat, where Nineveh is, and where Tarshish is. All right. To Jonah, Tarshish is about as far west as one could travel in the ancient world. To Jonah, Tarshish was the edge of the known world. And his, his destination, it illustrates a great truth about running from and rebelling against God. And the truth is this. The further you get from the will of God, the further you want to be. All right? You remember the story of the prodigal son? When the son leaves his father, it says he went off to a distant country. It's not enough to go to a neighboring country and be independent of the father. No, the son had to go off to a distant country. Jonah, in his rebellion, he could not simply refuse God and just stay where he was. He couldn't just refuse God or just go to a nearby place, you know, just a, a short ways. No, he's got to get as far away from the will of God as possible. And this is what's true. When you are running from God, the further you get from his will, the further you want to be. It's why you see folks, it's not enough for them to not believe in God. They really want to take God out of everything. It's just the result of rebellion. And when it happens to you, you'll find it. I mean, there have been times in my life, like I love music. But if I'm, if I'm trying to embrace a sin, you know, I just want this right now. Like, like I just can't listen to Christian radio. I don't want to, like, it's just, it, that, because that's what happens. The further you get from the will of God, the further you want to be. Be careful with that. So Jonah's running from God, and um, God meets his rebellion. And in verse 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea and lightened it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and fallen asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. See, God sends a storm in response to Jonah's rebellion. And the storm is so strong that the boat is starting to break apart. And the sailors, they start throwing their cargo overboard. All right, this is a big deal for sailors to, to jettison cargo. I mean, that's how they make their living. But now they're afraid of their, for their lives. So they're throwing cargo over the sides to lighten the ship. And the captain comes down and he finds Jonah taking a nap. And he's like, how do you sleep in the, in the midst of this? We're about to die and you're taking a nap? What do you mean, you sleeper? Get up, pray, pray to whichever, maybe your God can do something about this. And see, Jonah, you know why he's able to sleep in the midst of this storm? I mean, listen, if you're not afraid of God, 
You think a storm's going to bother you? Jonah's thinking, he says, I would rather die than to go minister in Nineveh. And this boat, it seems like a nice casket. I'm just going to go down and go to sleep and wake up. Well, not wake up. You know, that's what he's thinking. So in verse 8, it says, Then they said to him, these are the sailors talking to Jonah. They said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. I I love this. He is trying not to be an evangelist, but he just can't help it. I mean, in verse 9, he says, "I I fear the Lord, the God who made the sea and the land. He can't help but speak the truth of God. The crew asked the prophet, well, what do we do? What, what can we do to get the true God to quiet the storm for us? Jonah says, pick me up. Throw me into the sea and the storm will calm. The seas will get, will get, will get still. This storm is because of me. And these pagan sailors, they show more character than Jonah in this moment. Because they're like, no, we're not going to take your life. And so they do their best and they are rowing a hard against this storm um but but finally their strength wears out and the storm just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and they're like we 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 have no other recourse and they pick jonah up and they hurl him into the sea and in verse 15 it says so they picked up jonah hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging then the men feared the lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the lord and made vows just think it's so funny. He's trying to run from his calling as a prophet and evangelist. And people are still turning to God in the midst of his rebellion. Like how great is that? So verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now do y'all remember the old Disney classic Pinocchio? There's like this scene where Pinocchio's there with his... Father Geppetto, and uh, what's the little cat's name? Figaro, that's right, good. Um, and they're sitting on a little raft inside the belly of the whale, uh, roasting weenies and just kind of waiting for the whale to open his mouth. That's not what it was like at all for Jonah. <laughs> he is stuck in the esophagus of the fish. He, he, in this fish, he can't move. By the grace of God, he has a pocket of air that the fish has not burped yet. And of course, this little air pocket, it smells like fish. I mean, do you know how your skin gets all wrinkly and pruny and, and kind of white when you stay in the bath too long? Jonah is in a liquidic environment for three days. He didn't have pruny fingers. He had pruny everything, all right? Um, Three days in a liquidic situation. His whole body is pale and wrinkly. And the stomach acids of the fish are slowly dissolving as fresh. And, and in the belly of that fish, God says, Jonah, are you through running? Are, are you through being boss? Jonah, are you through trying to call the shots? Are, are you through running the show? Jonah, are you through being the owner? And Jonah, in that belly of the fish, he prays in Hebrew. You all know what he prays? I mean, just picture him. He's all squished. And he's like, mm-hmm. You get that in seminary, all right? 
Have you ever heard it said that God will never give you more than you can handle? Jonah would absolutely disagree. God did not put Jonah in the belly of that fish because he could handle it. Who can handle that? God put him in that belly of that fish because he could not handle it. And God will oftentimes put you and I in situations that are more than we can handle for the express purpose of getting you to quit relying on yourself and turn and trust him instead. Because that's what he wants from you. He wants faith. God will not give you more than you can handle. It's wrong. All right? But with God, you can handle all things. And that's what God wants. He wants you to turn and trust him. And so in the belly of that fish, Jonah prays. Jonah comes to his senses. He figures out who's boss, and he prays, and he gets right with God. And in the chapter 2, verse 8, it says, to the, he, this is a prayer. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Anybody ever get like, like you're like a, uh, an empathetic vomiter? Like if somebody else starts to throw up, you like it makes you throw up? Like what happens when you're part of the throw up? I mean, like, I don't know. Just, just imagining this is a terrible thing. All right? And you're like, fish. Jonah's like, Chapter 3, verse 1. says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I love that God gives us second chances. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call it against it the message I, that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was ex- an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is probably some of the worst, most uninspired preaching ever done. Jonah is being obedient to God by preaching in Nineveh, but his heart's not in it. And and he's not wanting to see people's lives change. He just wants to inform them that, that they're in trouble. But even in the midst of his poor preaching, God still changes lives. And in verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and, and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Now you imagine this guy Jonah. He's probably lost a lot of his hair as fish stomach acid is eating it away it's all splotchy he's he's bleach white and wrinkled he smells like death and he's preaching god's going to destroy you i mean i'm sure people saw jonah coming and and he's looking like an episode of the walking dead and, and they look at him and they says you know 
life change seems like it's a, that's a good idea right about now. I mean, I don't know what God did to that guy and why. I'm changing my ways, right? And they repent. And God restores Nineveh. Jonah, through his poor preaching, he preaches the greatest revival in ancient times. And you know what? how he feels about it? He's bitter. Chapter 3, verse 10. It says, when, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is it not what I said when I, when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are gr- a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Here's a lesson you need to understand regarding rebellion. Rebelling from God does not change God's plan or God's character. God is so sovereign, so in control, so powerful that you and I, we can choose the opposite of God's will. We can choose to go to whatever Tarshish is for us and God will still accomplish what he sets aside to do. Your rebellion does not change God's plan. It does not change God's character. Jonah went the opposite direction God wanted him to do. God still brought repentance to Nineveh. Jonah preached poorly, as poorly as he could, and God restores the city. And regardless of what Jonah did, God's plan still went forward. Now, we know from other prophets that God had a plan for this, 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 these people, the Assyrians. And Jonah knew this. I mean, Jonah was a prophet alongside other prophets like Amos and Hosea. In, in, in Amos, there's a prophecy that Israel will go into captivity in the east. Jonah knows this. Hosea, who's also prophesying at the same time as Jonah, he's got a prophecy that, 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 that the people of Israel will go into captivity in Assyria. Jonah thinks that he could change this by rebelling. You know, rebellion is like a spiritual tantrum. Y'all seen kids throw tantrums? Got five kids. We got a little bit of practice with that. <laughs> a couple of ways a parent can respond to a child's tantrum. One of the ways, not a good way, is just to give in. I want. Oh, here you go, honey. Well, the other way is we've tried this a lot, haven't we? Just ignore the child. There's this great video on America's Funniest Home Video. Child is throwing a tantrum, flopping on the round, and the parent leaves. Goes into the other room, and uh, child looks at her, walks over there, sees the parent, flops down, and does it again. And the parent leaves, goes to the other room. The child stops the crying, walks over there. As soon as they see the parent, just again, um, you know, you try to ignore it. Another way is to confront the child and just kind of argue with them about it. And probably the best way is to uh, discipline them before the tantrum happens. So they just know that's not an appropriate way to act. Listen, our children need to learn that if they throw a tantrum, that we as parents are not going to change because of their, the way they're acting. Listen, our tantrums, our rebellion do not change God. It will not change God's mind. No matter how far you flee, how much you run, or what the opposite you're going to do, you're not going to change God's mind because it does not change God's character. The Lord does not change. 
Another thing you need to know about rebelling from God is that rebellion always makes us bitter. I mean, we read that Jonah is displeased, that he was angry. And then in verse 3 of chapter 4, Jonah, he's praying. He says, therefore, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I want to die. That's rebellion too. Jonah is putting in his resignation. He's saying, I would rather die than serve you. Rebellion always leads us to bitterness because our rebellion never changes God. When we rebel, we still don't get what we want. And when we don't get what we want, we become bitter. We're like spoiled children complaining. And what does Jonah have to complain about? Jonah just preached the greatest revival in ancient times, and he's bitter. The other thing rebellion does is it will cause you to lose perspective. Look Look at Jonah's conversation with God. Chapter 4, verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came up of the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. He's lost perspective. And by the way, do you notice that everything in creation obeys God? Fish obeys God. God appoints a plant and it does what it's do. God appoints a worm and it does what it's supposed to do. Everything in creation obeys God except for, for man. Verse 9. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die? And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? That that, that 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left? That's that's children. Grown-ups know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. These are children. He's saying, there there are 120,000 little ones in this city. You're upset about a plant, but you're not bothered. Something bad might have happened to them. He's completely lost perspective. And finally, when you rebel from God, when you just flat out decide, I am not going to do it your way, rebellion will cause you to miss out on the good stuff in life. In the the New Testament, there's this fellow named Paul, and he's got quite a bit in common with Mr. Jonah. Except that Paul is one who obeys God. Jonah rebels. Both men were Hebrews with Jewish backgrounds and belief in the one true God. Both men were preachers. Both men were called to preach unpopular messages in pagan cities. Jonah was called to Nineveh. Paul called to Rome. Both men boarded a ship. One headed to the chosen city. One headed away. Both men experienced a terrible storm on that ship. Both men were greatly, they greatly impacted 
the rest of the crew. Both of the crews were saying, what do we do? What do we do? And both men knew the key to survival. Now, here's where the guys are different. Paul was compelled to preach in Rome. Jonah was repelled. Paul faced many obstacles on the way. Jonah's only obstacle was himself. And Jonah was ultimately obedient and successful, and he remains bitter. Paul was obedient, faced hardships, and suffered for his obedience. Yet Paul writes more in the New Testament about joy than any other person in the Bible. Paul didn't miss the good stuff. He experienced the joy. He experienced what Jesus teaches in John chapter 15. Jesus teaches in John 15, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. See, a life of obedience leads to a life that is full of joy, overflowing. Circumstances can be negative. Circumstances can be hard. But you're not missing any of the good stuff in life. A life of rebellion causes you to lose perspective. And you, just, you don't even have joy in the good things. You know, the Bible tells us that all of us have gone our own way. All of us have tried to do life according to our ways rather than God's. And I I can tell you that even since becoming a Christian, I've had some Jonah moments. I'm sure you have too. I wonder if any of you are doing a mini version of Jonah right now and God's got you positioned in a place where it's not something you can handle. And God is wanting you to say, you know what? I'm giving up being the owner. I'm giving up being in control. I'm I'm giving up being the boss and the one who calls the shots. God, I'm going to do it your way. God's brought you here so that you would stop rebelling, stop running, turn, and walk with him. This life that God's given us, it's not too difficult. And he's shown us what is good and what he does require. Do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. You walk in obedience. You cannot walk with God and hold hands with the devil. They're just going in two different directions. What direction are you going? Where are you headed? Who guides your steps? I hope it is the Son of God. The most unselfish person to ever walk the face of the earth. You can live with joy as you walk in obedience. So Father God. I pray that as we um, learn from this prophet of yours. To not resist. But to trust. To trust in your plan. Jonah did not know what you wanted to do in Nineveh or what your purposes were. We don't know your plans either. For you know tomorrow better than we know yesterday. So Father, we just pray a prayer of faith. And a prayer of repentance. Thank you God that you give us second chances. Thank you God that you give us opportunities. To walk in the right direction. 
And God, I pray for anyone here today who is working hard to do it their way, struggling against you on some issue, that maybe today your word would break them of that and they could truly walk in freedom according to your will. I pray this for them. In the name of Jesus, amen.